Hello and welcome to Miss Checkpoints, the video game book club podcast. Today we are wrapping up our Life is Strange discussion. I'm your host, Marcus, and joining me today, as always, are the homies. We got uh, Dante. How's it going? We got Trevor. What's going on? And last but not least, we have Greg. Yo. All right. So uh, this episode, uh, as always, um, we're going to spoil, you know, the remainder of this game. So uh, if play, please play episode five of Life is Strange before you listen to this. But um, I guess let's get into it. Uh, at the very end of the episode four, we got hit with the big, uh, the big cliffhanger, right? Which is um, Chloe and Max go to the junkyard. Uh, expecting to find Nathan there, uh, he uh, they got a text from his uh, phone, basically threatening to do something with Rachel's uh, body. And so they get there, and they're you know super dark out, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And then you see a hand come up and uh, inject something into the back of Max's neck, and it immediately makes her groggy, and so she can't use her her powers. And she tries to call out to Chloe and Chloe turns around and then she gets shot square, square in the forehead. And uh, Max goes down uh, and the, uh, the, the culprit stands over and it ends up being not Nathan Prescott, but Mr. Jefferson. And so that was the big uh, conclusion uh, at the end of episode four. So episode five starts up with Max coming to in the rape dungeon <laughs> underneath the, uh, the farm, uh, the barn on the Prescott property. And um, she's just trying to, she's uh, um, sitting in a chair. She's handcuffed to the chair. She can't move. And she's like trying to figure out what happens. Like how could they have so incorrectly assumed that it was Nathan and not Mr. Jefferson that, um, you know, was behind all this. So she's trying to put all the pieces together. So uh, she's looking around the room and just trying to find any clues that she can utilize to put this puzzle together. And then uh, she sees a photo. And then this is the, I think this is the second part in the game. Is that correct? Uh, where she can like, she has the ability to look into a photo and then go back to that point in time through the photo. Um, she did that previously with Chloe when um, the day her dad died. There was uh, she was able to go back to that point in time, uh, and so she was able to go back to the point when Mr. Jefferson was taking the um, the portraits of her as she was drugged up in uh, in very uh, inappropriate positions, and just uh, it, it, it was. I guess this is like the, this is the super dark part in the game. Cause she's just like, what happened? Like everything um, is super confusing at this point. And luckily she goes back in time and Mr. Jefferson just throws out the whole plot, like the whole story of the game. And uh, how, how did you guys feel about that? Where he basically was like revealed his evil mastermind plan to her as she's drugged up. And how did you guys feel about that? The reveal? Let's start with you, uh, Dante. Okay. Well, yeah, as Marcus has already kind of gotten into 
this entire scene is even for like the tonally dark moments that we've had up until this point with like Kate and Rachel and kind of like the end parts of episode four, this kind of just hits home in a different type of way where Max is literally duct taped to a chair. She can't really move. She's scared, alone, afraid. She can't even raise her hand. So she can't even do her rewind at first until she, um, loosens the tape off of her hands and feet. Um, yeah, it was just a really interesting scene. And it's like kind of the first time Max has been in any actual quote unquote danger. What about you, uh, Greg? How'd you feel about that? Um, yeah, I kind of agree with what Dante was saying. Um, I think the only issue I had was it, it felt kind of cliche how he's just kind of sitting there and I, and I understand why they had to do it, but you know, he kind of is like laying out every single thing and like, Oh, well, I did this because of this and I did this as well because of that. And then that's why they'll think it's this. And it's just kind of like a little corny, I guess. But, um, but yeah, I think that's like the only issue I kind of had with it. And uh, I, I, no, don't mean let me let go to Trevor first. We'll go to Trevor first. What about you, Trevor? Um, yeah, the scene overall, like I agree with Dante, it, it definitely shows Max being in like a um a state of duress. Um, it's probably the second time in the game where I've actually like tried to look at Max's face because I believe you can do it at any time in the game, but since you sit down in this chair. You know, you kind of get this very emotional scene. Like she's, you know, she can tell she's in danger. So it's kind of like you circle the camera around around and look at her face and you can see like the different facial expressions. Um, And that like her just being in there by herself at first, not knowing what was going on. Or actually, you're familiar with the room already, but you don't know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, like, I agree with everything you guys had said, but I'm piggybacking off Greg, like, the the reveal of, like, the entire, like, I guess, like, story or just, like, what was happening was kind of, it was very corny to me. Like, I, I did not really appreciate that. It was like a Scooby-Doo villain. Like, of course, yeah. it was me with the, you know, at the the ballroom with the candlestick or, you know, like it just was very like a, I like it had to be that way though. You know, like uh, there was no, that was the last chance they had. Yeah. Yeah. So like it, it was, I didn't like it just, it, it wasn't even rushed. It was just kind of like, we have to reveal it and there's no other elegant way we can reveal it. Or, I mean, you know, it was cause he to... was, he was like the least expected person. So yeah. You really Speak for yourself. Two and two together. Well, <laughs> oh yeah, excuse us. The player but, uh, wouldn't have been able to put those two <laughs> things together by that time, so they kind of had to. Yeah, but I mean, like he he reveals like a lot of a lot of stuff. So like uh, uh, throughout the entire game, um, you know, you're you're kind of suspicious of Nathan, and you and Chloe, the entire point, think that it's Nathan the one that's has this this problem, and you know he you find out he has a problem but you don't know that it's kind of pushed along by Mr. Jefferson. Mr. Jefferson kind of takes a interest in uh, Nathan and he ends up 
we, we find out that Nathan has kind of like a volatile relationship with his father. So Mr. Jefferson is kind of like a father figure for Nathan. And he kind of takes Nathan under his, his wing as like a, a protege and kind of shows him the ropes and everything. And so like uh, some of the information he reveals is that um, uh, Nathan was the one buying the drugs uh, through Frank, but it was, you know, Nathan and Mr. Jefferson that were taking these pictures of all these women, right? Our girls. And um, uh, Nathan wanted to impress Mr. Jefferson. So he single-handedly got uh, Rachel into the place and he ended up killing her accidentally. I think he he, he gave her an he overdosed her. She died of overdose. And um, so I guess they together got rid of the body. Um, but Mr. Jefferson revealed like he basically like that dude's an idiot. Like he he's like the the sophisticated, uh, silent, quiet, uh, deadly type where he's like I'm just better than everybody else, kind of. And um, so he he for the most part, prefers to work solo. So he kind of reveals that inevitably that he was going to have to kill Nathan and he ends up killing, he does kill Nathan. So uh, Nathan's out of the picture as well. And, but he, he kind of framed it to look like Nathan was the one that had these issues and um, nobody was uh, knew about their relationship together. And so he bought like a, a one-way bus ticket uh, to LA and kind of made it seem like Nathan was the one that did that and he kind of just ran off. So uh, it, 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 I don't know. Like I said, it, it, it was, there was no other way they could reveal it, but I still thought it was kind of like just heavy handed. It was just like, whoa, information overload. And like, just the fact that he's like delivering his, you know, this information to a girl he's about to kill, you know, she's already drugged up and laying on the floor, unable to do anything. And he's just but like, to be fair. I think she asked most of those questions. I guess. I, I don't know. Like, it, well, yes and no, because like he reveals like you go back in time at two, two different points. So you go back in time initially and you're, he's taking pictures of you and you're super drugged up. You're like, you're, you, he's yelling at you for moving around and everything, but you can't, really respond to him or anything. And that's when he reveals like the majority of this, uh, this background information. And then uh, you, you snap back to present day and you're like, wow, that's really messed up. Let me see if I can find another picture so I can find out more information. And you end up finding another picture. You go back into that point and you're a little less uh, groggy from the drugs. You're at a different point. And you're still like, you know, held captive, but you can kind of talk to him a little bit. And uh, so you can pry some more information out of him. But I, I think for the most part, he kind of does deliver a lot of that information to a basically unresponsive, uh, drugged out high school girl. But I don't know, like it, it, I, like I said, it, there was no other way they could they could play it. So um I mean, the way I kind of saw it was like, yeah, Max was at the time, I guess she was unconscious because she actually went back in time. So that that was that part was kind of weird to me because it was like she went back to a time where she was unconscious or or whatever. But that's the kind of part I see Mr. Jefferson talking to her. He's kind of doing what Nathan was doing in like that first episode where he went to the bathroom when he was talking to himself. 
Yeah, it's kind of highly implied that he's schizophrenic or yeah. some type of... Yeah, yeah. He he definitely has some issues. And I, I think uh, Mr. Jefferson found out about that and kind of exploited it for his own personal... I was opinion. talking about Mr. Jefferson having schizophrenia. Oh, oh. Well, I mean, I'm glad you said that because I thought it was really convenient that both of them shared that same trait. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, just sure. the way, like, in his tone of voice and how he was speaking at Max and yelling at her when she literally wasn't even really able to control her own body and stuff. He had... The, I, to me, the same that just seemed like it was like a... To me, that just seemed like he was just, like, used to being in control in these situations. And, like, uh, it was more like a dominance type of thing and not necessarily like a schizophrenia type thing. Because, like, they, they kind of even allude to is, like, he doesn't really teach the classes. He just lectures. I kind of like he's kind of self-absorbed and likes to – he thinks highly of himself. Um, but uh, I, I, anyways, um, you, you go you go back to two different points and you got to have the, the story unfold in front of you. And then uh, you were like, man, like uh, how – there's like a puzzle, I guess, while you're having this conversation. And so you're you're in the past and you're having the conversation with Mr. Davis uh, – Mr. Jefferson – Wait, and, wait. Can we can we talk about one more thing? If you're talking about the um, Madsen thing coming up, go ahead. Then what were you about to say? Okay. So you didn't actually experience this, but um, I know Trevor and I did, and I forget what Greg's decision was. But since we warned Victoria when we rewound the first time, she was also a captive in that room. Yeah, I had warned her. So yeah, she was Whoa. in the room as well. I didn't realize he goes to <laughs> Jefferson for safety. Oh, so okay, so she goes to Jefferson to tell that Nathan is a problem. So both you and Victoria are captive. Pretty much, you you warn her. You're like, hey, Nathan's going to do something to you for her security. She's like, well, the one adult in my life for real is um, Mr. Jefferson. Let me go talk to him. Lo and behold, he's kind of like the bad guy. So she also gets dragged to the dark room and you kind of have this moment with her where she's kind of like, I don't want to die. I I just turned 18. Max, how did we end here? I didn't mean for any of this. This is kind of like atonement or not atonement, but punishment for how I dealt with Kate in the past. Okay. And so like when you go back in time, is she also in there with you when they, uh, Jefferson is taking the pictures or? So um, there's two points. The first point when you rewind, which we're currently at, that's when you first see her. Oh, wait. So when you wake up, you're in the room by yourself. Victoria's not in there with you. With, Correct. When the episode first starts. So then you go. So when you go back in time the first time, she's in there with you. Yeah. You OK. So you meet her when you rewind the first time and then the outcome of that comes around the second time. So we'll also bring it up then. OK. OK. <clears throat> So, um, uh, while you're in the, uh, in the past, uh, this is, this is a point when you are able to respond to, uh, Jefferson and you guys are kind of having a conversation. You're, he's like, uh, you make a final request before he leaves because he's about to get some things. I guess he's like, you're going to die soon, basically. And you kind of ask him, um, I, I guess, did everybody ask to just to look at your, your journal or whatever? Yeah. Like, yep. for some reason, that just seemed like a no-brainer. Like, I was like, oh, I need to go back in the past. Let me get my journal. So I, I don't, I'm not sure if it was, like, an actual puzzle or if it was just, like, one of those 
rewind till you choose the right option. But um, he, he gives you your journal or whatever, throws it on the ground in front of you, and then you, you focus on a, a photo, and the photo ends up being the selfie you took at the very, very beginning of the game. And um, so you go back to the very, very beginning of the game. And then at this point, like, I mean, we'd have been playing maybe 20 minutes. I was like, am I about to play the entire game all over again? <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I figured it would be sped up a little bit, but I was like, am, am I about to go through all this? And uh, the the whole point of going back to the beginning of the game is that you need to warn whoever that uh, Mr. Jefferson is uh, uh, doing these these uh, these heinous acts. You know, he's uh, working with Nathan, and they're they're doing these these things. So um, you're in class. You you know you answer your question that he he asks you, and then you have the option, and you you text. David Madsen, the security guard, a.k.a. Step Douche, uh, Chloe's uh, stepfather. And um, uh, I guess... Oh, I guess- before, we, before we move on from the classroom, I'd like to um, just say, did anybody, like, catch Jefferson's speech innuendos yes. during that thing? Yes. Okay. You, could be in a, you could be in a dark room, or he said something along yeah. those lines. I yeah. could film you in the perfect room with, like, the perfect white light or something like that. Yeah, that that was uh, I, I also like, Max is super smug when she's giving her like Daguerrean process answer and all the yeah. other stuff. <laughs> yep, and uh, um, but then uh, so everything happens as it is. You can walk up to Kate, which I did because Kate's the homie. Actually, uh, yeah, did did you walk up to Kate because uh, she died in your game, Greg? Uh, you can kind of like. Uh, I'm not even gonna lie. I forgot all about walking up to her. <laughs> so I was like, just pretty much focused on like trying to be an asshole to like Jefferson. I was like, hold up, well, I kind of gotta let him know what's up, and then talk to uh, Victoria and kind of let her know, uh, or at least what I thought would be, you know, kind of let her know what's going on too. Uh, so you were like mainlining it, pretty much, yeah. Okay, yeah. I talked to Kate, and I kind of like just, you know, you, you kind of tell her like, hey, Kate, like everything is. I know it's tough, but like I just want you to know that everybody. It's, you know, I'm here for you, blah, 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 this, blah, blah, that. Basically, like, all the things that you would want somebody to say uh, had you had the knowledge that they had the, the suicidal-type thoughts that she had. So it was, like, a very good moment uh, because it was kind of like telling Kate at a point when she needed the most that people cared for her. And um, you go, you know, you go talk to Jefferson, as Greg said, and you kind of just, like, you you're very standoffish to him, and you actually submit a photo for the heroes uh, everyday heroes photo contest, and um, I think then uh, the the game kind of fades out, right? And then you wake up and you're on a on a on an airplane, and um, you're you're like, what the heck am I doing here? And you're sitting next to the principal. Um, damn, what's his name? I forgot his name. Well, well, yeah, Principal Wells. You're sitting next to Principal Wells, and uh, he, you know you're you're looking around your seat and everything. He wakes up, and then you have a conversation, and you find out, oh, David uh, busted Jefferson and, and uh, Nathan, so that went down. You won the Everyday Heroes contest, and um, I think even uh, Nathan's uh, uh, father is getting investigated for like extortion or something like that. So it's like all the, the crappy people in uh, Arcadia Bay 
have some type of karma <laughs> working against them, you know? And uh, fast forward then from the airplane, you're at the uh, Everyday Heroes photo contest. You kind of have like a, a conversation with Wells, Principal Wells again. And um, you can kind of like, he's, he's very remorseful. He's like, I had no idea, you know, um, about Nathan when you told me. Or no, I guess, yeah, all of us told, didn't we? Yeah. Told. To remember oh, yeah. in the very beginning the when very Nathan first. had the gun in the bathroom and you had the option to tell Principal Wells? Yeah. We all told on Nathan, right? I believe so. I thought one of us didn't, but maybe not. Oh, well, shoot. Um, well, <laughs> because uh, he, he kind of felt remorseful because he's like, didn't look into it with the uh he 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 felt like he should have in hindsight obviously but um he kind of felt remorseful for that and at that point you could kind of throw it in his face or not i threw it in his face and then um i respect it yeah yeah i'm petty and um <laughs> and uh yeah so then you're, you're you know you're at the uh everyday heroes photo contest and everybody's like you know it's a photo gallery and everybody's giving you props and all that and you end up going to your photo and you start Wait, having... before we <laughs> exit. I just like what do you guys think of the everyday heroes like the art show? It was uh... it's like a normal ass art show. Except yeah. for like yeah. the people were like super like hoity toity, like super high class. And it's like these are like high school students, like chill out. But I mean it's just art it was an art show. I thought it was really interesting just like how all the photography that's done in this game, it's like, it's not realistic, realistic, but everybody has their own style. And I just like going around and looking at all the different photos and looking at the quote unquote games interpretation of art. And I thought that was kind of cool. And just listening to like, there is a one dude that was really like, oh, I know this shot was shot with like this XL2R camera with this type of film. And then his daughter's like, uh, actually, it says it was taken by like a Polaroid dad. And he's like, shut up. I'm trying to impress this woman. Yeah. But I thought yeah. that was cool. And um, kind of the conversation you have with Principal Wells when he's like, at the little food bar area. That dude was staying at the buffet. <laughs> I'm going to eat these hors d'oeuvres. First place he went to. So was I that, thought that... Go ahead. No, I was about to say, was I the only one that thought it was kind of weird how, like, Principal Wells kind of treated you a lot differently from, like, the first few interactions you've had with him, I guess? I mean, oh. if you think about it, like, this is before most of those interactions. So, like, your only interaction uh, with him was... Yeah. You know, your only interaction was reporting Nathan beforehand, and then, like in, in theory, like you you didn't have those inter- other interactions. So your next interaction was like, "Oh, my bad, Max. I didn't believe you." You know, and but it's 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 good thing you're doing around you know the school. You know, we're, we're really here for you and all that. So, so in this timeline, would Max have saved Kate at this point? I don't know. Well, I don't think Kate ever had to jump just because there was so much other stuff going on that week. I think that's that kind true. of that's outweighed true. people like preying on her. Well, At least that's the impression well, that when I got. You, when you break up uh, Mr. Jefferson and Victoria, at least in my game, when, when you break them up, you kind of tell Victoria, you kind of call her out before the act, you know, you kind of say, 
don't think you can just pry on people because you're talented and you feel bad and have low self-esteem and you need to do that. Like she kind of went in on uh, Victoria in my game. So that kind of alluded to like either if you're planning on doing this thing to Kate or you're in the act of doing it. So don't do it, you know, or did yeah. not did you guys have that same interaction with her? Yeah, I did. Pretty much, you got to tell her off somehow to get to Mr. Jefferson. At that yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and if you think about it too, like what the Everyday Heroes was, an, the winner was announced like the Thursday, right? Like you, like you start the game on Monday, and the winner was announced on Thursday on episode four. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I I'm assuming, I don't know. It, it, it's weird. It's weird because like they're they're not necessarily like it's not a key part if Kate is alive at this point. But we can assume she is. She is. Um, you can. Did you guys not look at the text messages for the whole? That's thing? right. Yeah, yeah. You do get text messages. That's right. Because it's really cool just going back and seeing like everybody's like how how things have been altered, and you kind of get that through the text messages. I didn't even think about it. I wonder if like the character interactions would have been differently too. Like you, the, the you know how they have the character profiles. And you could like yeah. look at. I, I think those stayed the same because that was something I always checked. Well, because I mean, um, she talks. She talks. The journal changes and the text changes, but the character profiles don't change. Interesting, because I was going to say she talked very highly of Mister Jefferson in the main timeline. But you'd be interested to see when you find out he's bad if that changed. Like you know. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Oh, uh, who knows? <laughs> but um, but yeah, uh, I was going to say going back to um. Greg's point real quick about it being interesting um, about Principal Wells and stuff, how, how he's different. And that kind of goes back to all of the adults being like semi-terrible people in this game. And that's something I really, really like about this game where everybody's like, oh, well, Wells has been an incompetent drunk for, has been characterized as an incompetent drunk through episodes one through four. But then you kind of hear like, his side of the story and like, oh, he was this really aspirational individual and that led him to his teaching career and he used to be top of his class and stuff like that. I, I didn't get any of that. <laughs> Should have um, been next to that sushi for a little bit longer. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, you eventually make your way to your photo and um, uh, everybody's giving you props when they realize it's you. And then you're like, thanks, you know, you know, being humble and all that. And then she starts bleeding, I, I believe, out of both of her nose, which, like, people start noticing. I think she ends up fainting. And uh, she wakes up and uh, is walking around. And I think, uh, she does she get a call from Max at this point? From or, Chloe. Or, or maybe from Chloe. She gets a call from Chloe and... Uh, you find out that the tornado is actually still hitting Arcadia Bay. So this is Friday. Um, and so the, the tornado still happens. So despite her changing the fact that Mr. Jefferson and Nathan and those things never happen, the tornado still happens and it's jacking up Arcadia Bay. So she ends up having to go back to when she took the photo that won her the contest. So she goes to see time travels to that photo and she goes to that moment in time. So like, she's like what three, four layers deep now. <laughs> it gets kind of confusing for sure. Yeah. Um, but so she 
takes that photo and she's like, this might be the catalyst of this entire thing happening. So she rips up the photo and uh, I think it ends up bringing her right back to being in the right dark dark room. Uh And at this point, she's kind of like, what gives? Like, how did I get pulled back into this point? And she looks, you know, she's wants to go back and she sees that the, the photos that she initially used to travel in time had all been burned. So Mr. Jefferson has burned all those photos. So now she doesn't necessarily have a portal to go back in time. So she's kind of stuck here and she's just, uh, he basically, he fills up a, a syringe and he's basically about to inject, inject the fatal dosage of whatever drug to kill her. And then you hear a knock on the door or, you know, or whatever, like somebody opens up the door and, uh, it's, um, he creeps out Mr. Jefferson. So he's like, all right, he picks up a tripod as a, as a weapon. And at this point it's kind of like a a puzzle sequence because it's, uh, it, um, it's David. He's the one that opened up the door and he gets into a fight with, um, with Mr. Jefferson, but Mr. Jefferson has to jump on him. So you have to just basically keep rewinding time to do what you can to influence the fight so that Mr. Jefferson loses basically. How did you guys feel about this, this puzzle? It, it really is a puzzle. I'll start with you, Trevor. I wish that there were a few, not necessarily quick time events, but more so, um, like cues for when something was going to happen and you could kind of tell, Hey, tell, um, David, Hey, look out for this. Cause the only thing you really tell him is, you know, watch out for the, you know, he's got a tripod or, or whatever. But then after that, you're basically just moving other objects around. Yeah. And like, so bear in mind, you're, you're strapped to a chair. You can't move. You can only look around. So the way this scene kind of plays out is that uh, you're static and basically almost in the in the center of the room, and uh, off to the side is David and um, uh, Jefferson fighting, and then you know David gets knocked down, so Jefferson's running to find a more fatal weapon like a gun or a knife or whatever. I think he ends up finding a gun, but like throughout this entire time, you're trying to look around for something to distract them or like so. David can regain the upper hand and like it it was I enjoy watching the action unfold in front of me but I do kind of wish that there was some type of prompt of like oh now this is when you do something or you know something like that because there's just like I just felt myself rewinding over and over and over again and looking around the room quickly and like not realizing oh I didn't rewind far enough to you know get the prompt I needed uh, did anybody else run into that, or was it pretty smooth sailing for the you two? No, nah, I kind of experienced the same uh, situation you had. And then it, it took me a few times to even get past that, I guess, the first part of it where right? you had to <laughs> you had to specifically time when you wanted to tell um, David, you know, that uh, that uh, to be careful. Because I guess if you do too early, he hits you with the tripod instead. So it's like, I kept thinking back, like, hold on, what am I supposed to be doing? Did y'all not tell him to turn on the music? Well, I no, did that. No, I didn't. Well, so there's you like do that. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. 
I was going to say there's like four, maybe five different solutions. So it just kind of depends on the route you take. Um, for mine, I think all I had to do was I warned him and then I tripped Jefferson up using like a cable on the ground or something like that. And it was good at that point. Yes. Same same exact for me. It was like you warn David and then Jefferson runs and you kind of like use your foot to pull this cord and it moves over like a, a, a light stand and it like falls over and it crashes and then he hears the glass break and he turns around and then David runs up on him and then they have that struggle. I tried to do the music thing, but I, I guess maybe I couldn't figure out the solution because you get to a point where um, he comes in and then he draws a gun on um, uh, Mr. Jefferson and then he gets behind you with a syringe and I couldn't figure out what cue I was supposed to be looking for to actually stop that part from happening. It was just a really, like, I enjoyed the the puzzly and, like, how all that stuff happened. And, like, you had to, like, it, it wasn't one of those types of puzzles that you could get right away. You had to play it out and kind of utilize the game system. But yeah. I, I thought it was a little bit handled sloppily. It felt pretty sloppy in some aspects of it. But it was still a cool section, and it, it kind of leads to a moment. Um, it, it's not a big, it is a big, I think this is a big decision, honestly. Um, uh, the the fate of uh yeah yeah, yeah 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 so like um so David incapacitates uh Mr Jefferson so he's laying face down on the floor David's handcuffed him and he's like you know kind of trying to figure out he's he's asking Max what happened and you know you're kind of explaining you know what happened and all that and then he's you know spilling his heart out kind of just saying like um. I just try to be the best person I can for, you know, Joyce and for Chloe, you know, the best, they're my family. And I, you know, like, I know we don't necessarily always see eye to eye. So he's basically spilling his guts to his stepdaughter's best friend, you know? And, um, uh, at this point you get the option to reveal to David, whether you want to tell him that Chloe, cause he asked, where's Chloe? And you can either tell him the truth or you can hide the truth from him. And uh, what what did you guys decide? And I'll, I'll start with you, Dante. Dave's been through a long day, man. So I'm guessing you didn't tell him. He's been through a real. He's been through a lot. Yeah, yeah. actually, yeah. This he, was like he I, didn't need to hear that his stepdaughter died. Yeah. So like he he kind of reveals to you that. Um, this, so this has happened after, you know, like, he, I think he got kicked out of the house in all our games, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Okay. so so David's out of the house, so I think this will also kind of paint our perception of this situation. So he's no longer living with the family, but he still cares for the family. He's like, I, I did what I did for protection reasons, and I shouldn't have done the surveillance stuff or whatever. I was being paranoid, but I, I don't like to use this as an excuse, but I, I did change because of being out in, in combat in the war or whatever, you know? Like, it, it's it's very hard to readjust back to civilian life. So he, he doesn't use it as an excuse, but, like, it is a legitimate reason why he is the way he is. And, um... Uh, so you, you can reveal, and we found out, so Dante did not tell him. What did you do, Trevor? Um, the first time, I, did, I had no idea he was going to flip out. 
So the first time I did tell him that Chloe was dead, but then I thought about it and I was like, well, I'm probably going to go back in time and try to save Chloe anyways. So I might as well keep it from him. That's the exact thing I saw, thought too. Cause I'm like, I, I did the same thing. I was like, I'll go ahead and tell him the truth just cause I feel like it's the right thing to do. And I saw what he did. And I was like, yo, I didn't expect this to happen. So let's, uh, let's run that back. And, uh, and I figured, you know, like I said, you've, you've gone back in time so many times in this game. Like I figured that, well, I didn't really need to kind of mess him up like that by giving him that type of news anyway. So I figured, well, let's just, uh, let's just lie to him because we're going to go back in time and probably change this anyway. So I had the exact same reasoning that you guys had, but I, I always go with my gut the very first time. So like in this game, you can make a decision, rewind it, choose something else. So like, there's been many times where I just like, I'm going to rewind it and see the other option. And, uh, I did that for this one. So I, my, when I started, I um, chose to tell him. And as you guys have alluded to, like, he flips out. And he's just like, oh, my, no, he didn't. And he basically, and he, like, <laughs> he cocks his gun and he shoots uh, Mr. Uh, Jefferson in the head. And Mr. Jefferson is unconscious uh, at this point, so it's not like he's pleading or anything. But he just shoots him in the head. And uh, so he kills him. And he's immediately he's very remorseful but he's like i you know like i did the best i could for this family and i can't believe this man took you know that away from me and he's just thinking about joyce and all you know has all these emotions going through his head or whatever because he's just like i sat in my hotel room this morning drinking and just drunk feeling snow last night so the night he got kicked out he was drunk and feeling sorry for himself and that was when uh, Max and Chloe go to the junkyard and Chloe ends up dying. So he's like, I couldn't, if, I, you know, like I was feeling sorry for myself, not knowing what you kids were into, you know, and it was kind of heavy. It, it was very heavy. And um, uh, for somebody that like, you know, Chloe didn't really show any type of emotion or love for this man, but this man would do anything for her, you know, and um, he killed for her. And uh, I, I rewound it because I wanted to see what happened if you didn't. And I, I thought, like, you know, like, oh, this is, like, a good ending. But I was like, I, I'm still going to go with my first one because that's what I chose first. I went with my gut. And then I told myself, too, like, Mr. Jefferson deserves it. But then also I'm going to go back in time and save Chloe anyway, so it doesn't matter is what I thought. So I had the, like, the opposite. I had the same thought you guys had. Like, I'm going to save her anyways. But it was just like. Mr. Jefferson deserves this. And anyways, I'm going to go back in time anyways and save Chloe. So another thing is, would David really be considered a hero if he, yes. if he ended up killing Mr. Jefferson? I, I actually wrote down that this, this section is like the, at least in my eyes, it's the redemption of David where he kind of like, He's a super suspicious, kind of paranoid. It, it's really interesting how they play around with that, too, because it's like on the outside, Nathan is, you know, you guys use the word schizophrenic, and he very outwardly displays it, right? And um, then you have Mr. Jefferson, who you also described as being like a schizophrenic, but he does not outwardly. He, he displays like a very cool, calm, and collected individual and then you have uh david 
who is kind of like he's very wild and reckless. There, but there is reasons and legitimate reasons for the paranoia that he feels. And it ends up being that he ends up being the hero in the situation. He basically saves Max from Mr. Jefferson. Max was about to die and he saves her. And like, he kind of has a, now I won't say turn of heart, but he kind of like tells the entire, his feelings for his, his family. And it was actually funny because when you lie, when you lie to um, Mr. Jefferson or when you lie to David, he's like, uh, you, you, the way you lie is like, Oh, well, we were going to go do this thing uh, before I got kidnapped, but Chloe had to had to self-medicate beforehand. And then he kind of makes a remark, I can't believe that I'm saying this, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, Chloe is a stoner, you know, because, because he, she would have wound up being in this room too. And so it kind of shows that like, he does like, I don't know. He's not like as straight edge as he made it seem like uh, previously. So I thought that was interesting how they kind of play with like, these characters that kind of have this this mental um, stuff going on, and how each of them have their own arc, and it goes vastly different ways. One other thing that I wanted to touch on, um, so this did, of course didn't happen with Marcus's game, but when you rewind the second time, when you get back to the room, Max asks, "Hey, where's um, Victoria?" and she's like. And um, Jefferson's like, I had to get deal with her too. So she was killed between jump one and jump two. And then you kind of also tell um, David that, and that also kind of, I mean, it doesn't really play into his decision, but it's just another additional line of dialogue. Like, oh man, like Max just pretty much saw somebody die right in front of her. Yeah. I mean, either way you see, I mean, well, I guess not either way, but it's like you could see Victoria die in front of you or um, <laughs> Mr. Jefferson <laughs> or both. Um, so, yeah, he, uh, David saves you. And then, um, oh, also, I, I, this is kind of random. Like, I had this note written, but Rachel got around because, like, Frank loved her. Mr. Jefferson had feelings for her, and I guess they had a thing going on. Nathan was jealous, or he had feelings for her too. Chloe had feelings for her. And then everybody else kind of thought she was, like, super cool. But there was, like, a four-way, like, triangle, or not even triangle. It was actually, like, a a pentagon because it was, like, she, I guess, wasn't monogamous with any one person. So maybe she just was, like you know, just spread in love all over. I don't know. It, it just seemed like everybody had like either Rachel was their friend or she was a lover. There was no other like, you know, like, oh yeah, she was just a girl I knew. It was like, no, she was a really good friend of mine or I loved her, you know? Kind of makes you interested in like what her background is. And and I don't know if she shows up in the, uh, in the prequel at all, but it'd be kind of interesting to find out. Yeah, she's uh, the connective tissue that links everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just it just was very interesting because it was just like, man, like everybody had a huge, everybody had their own Rachel hot take, some impression of her 
good or great, you know? So that was kind of interesting. That makes me wonder now. Why was Chloe the only one putting up signs saying Exactly. Because, like, well, in theory, like, Mr. Jefferson and Nathan knew what happened to her. So, you know. They could have played it off, though. Yeah, that's true. And then, I don't know, like, Frank, he, he didn't have his stuff together, so... You know he he's he's a drug drug dealer and I I, I don't know I, I guess he kind of thought that maybe she ran off and just left but I don't know it, it, you're right it is kind of weird well I just think they don't want to draw more attention to themselves that's true that's true but uh so yeah you you in that um don't you in that sequence and basically you're trying you want to go back in time to a uh, point in time where Chloe is still alive. So uh, this is Friday. So the tornado is happening. I think. I think um, uh, David kind of alludes. He kind of says like the weather is crazy out there. You know, be careful. To take care of yourself. And you you think to yourself like, oh, um, I'm going to go back to Thursday when me and Chloe were at the party, the end of the world party, and a drunk uh, Warren took that selfie of us. So you, 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 you um, text Warren to kind of find out where he's at. And he's like, I'm, I'm holed up at the, the two wells diner. So you, you Jack um, uh, Jefferson's car keys and you, you drive over to the, um, you drive over to the two whales with all these thoughts in your head. And like you, you're driving basically towards this tornado that is, um, affecting the city or affecting Arcadia Bay. You also get some really good messages along the way. Like Nathan Prescott calls and well, it's a voicemail message. Oh yeah. He's like, Hey man, like this is, this is Nathan. I've been used by my dad, by Jefferson. I just, I want it all to end and Jefferson's coming over to do it. I just want you to know that like, I really didn't have anything against you. And I just wish I wasn't used. Too little, too late. Play it, boy. <laughs> I, I actually, I, I don't even really, I, I remember having that voicemail, but I, I wasn't paying attention to it because I was just thinking about, like, I'm about to drive towards this tornado, for real. Like, word? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah, that does happen. So, Nathan, like, he does apologize for everything that's happened, though it is too little, too late. He's already dead. Um, but uh, so now you're you're in the Arcadia Bay City, um, and it's just chaos is happening. Uh, buildings uh, have been demolished or destroyed. There's pandemonium. People are dead in the street. Um, people are you know hurt. People are screaming, running around, and the tornadoes like in the distance and you basically are trying to get to the two, two whales diner, but along the way you can help out uh, citizens. So you can like help out some of the side characters like Alyssa, like classmate. You can help out Evan, another classmate. You can help out some of the citizens, the trucker and the uh, fishermen. And uh, you basically make your way towards um, the diner to meet up with Warren and, uh, well, real quick, when you um, save Alyssa, um, did anybody else get the dialogue where like a sign flies by and almost hits Max, and Alyssa pushes her out of the way? Yeah, no, that did I have that. Me. Yeah, and she's like, "Oh yeah, that 
Now, now we're even. Thanks for saving me all. Yeah, when she said we're even, it's kind of like <laughs> I saved you every. I saved you four times. You saved me once. We're even. What? <laughs> That's immediately what I thought. I was like, "What? How?" But then I was thinking, like in, in hindsight, it's like she saved me from dying. I saved her from getting wet. Saved her from getting hit by a football. Saved her from getting hit by toilet paper. But still. I saved you four times. We ain't even. <laughs> quality over quality. Did anybody actually see what happens to Alyssa if she jumps and you don't put the plank out? I'm just curious. Oh, no. The building burns down? Isn't the building on fire? No, but she jumps regardless, and I just don't know what happens after she jumps. No, I don't know what happens. I saved. I thought I saved everybody, but I had rewound it at one point. And I guess I rewound it too far, so I ended up not saving the trucker. But that dude was kind of like a douche anyways. <laughs> yeah, I want to say the building Alyssa's in either burns or she, like, falls through the floor. She falls through the floor. Okay, yeah. Man, so um, before we skip ahead to the diner, the um, the fisherman, did you guys um, – okay, before I even get into the fisherman – there's this really neat scene where essentially you have to get through a building and you have to turn on the sprinkler system by turning on the sprinkler system. You activate the power in the building and there happens to be a loose wire that hits the fisherman and kills him. So this is like a direct consequence of max action. Somebody dies and there's a way to get through it where you um, essentially move him out the way before um, you activate the power. But they don't force you to do that. So I'm just curious, how many of you saved the fishermen? I didn't. I, I couldn't figure out a way to do it. And I, I kind of thought it was cool because I was like, well, is the game kind of finally making you like actually have consequences for stuff where you just can't go back and fix it? Or am I just – I figured I was just missing something, but I was like, maybe that could be that as well. I saved him. Yeah, I saved them too. I just suck at video games. <laughs> well, well, what was the solution to like? I mean, I guess how did you um, after you turn on the sprinkler, you go into the room where he is or where he's died, and you rewind to before the sprinkler comes uh, on, and then you kind of talk him out of the room. Yeah, and you, you can of, actually reach, um, reach the switch from. Yeah, that room. yeah, because there's a hole in the glass, so you can just like reach through and turn it on while you're inside the room. Don't worry, man. It was super complicated. There was like eight <laughs> steps. So <laughs> yeah. So uh, you, you get through that room and then you, you make your way to the diner and, uh, Oh yeah. There's that other sequence too, where there's like a gas line. <laughs> uh, uh, there's a bunch of fire as well going on. There's a gas line that, uh, uh just to put uh, things in perspective, this is a category six hurricane. Where Harvey was a five. <laughs> yes, there's dead whales and birds and people all over the place. And um, yeah, so there's gasoline that's coming from the building and there's a fire. And you uh, can watch the building basically explode or impl- explode and just destroy everybody inside. Or you can like stop the gas line with sand. But I thought that was like a cool like you obviously you had to stop it from happening. But I thought it was like a cool like 
puzzle because it was like a time puzzle where it's like you could see the fire going and it, it took me a couple of rewinds so i'm like looking around like how do i stop this thing from happening and then you see the sand and it's like oh right there and uh so i thought that was kind of cool well um, it's weird because you can't you don't get the interaction um option until after you've already watched the building explode because oh, i didn't I realize got- that yeah, when I got to that part, I had already I already knew what to do since I played through the game. So I ran straight for the sand, and it wouldn't give me the option to interact with it. I had to sit there and watch the building explode. Well, that seems good, quote-unquote, from a game design perspective, because it's almost like those choices where you have to listen to it first before you have the answer when you rewind. Because Max couldn't have known to use the sand ahead of time, so... Yeah, exactly. It almost seems intentional on their part. They probably what they well, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think the only other way they could have, or a cool way they could have handled it too, is like if they saw that you had saved data for that chapter, then like you technically are revisiting the past, and that could have been cool to like interact with things or already have all the options. Are you saying there should be a new game plus for like yeah right you already have all the options unlocked of like all the correct answers or like skip straight ahead to the episode five right <laughs> or or where like you have to like actually race the fire like you see it happening and you got to race it to get to the building yeah <laughs> but uh yeah you get inside the building and uh so Joyce is in the building you find out Frank's in the building and also um Warren's in the building so you get to talk to all three of them. So you, um, I talked to Frank first and, uh, I kind of, you revealed to him that he's like, so did you get any information and you know about, uh, what happened with Rachel? And you kind of revealed to him that, yeah, um, Rachel's dead, you know, and he, he kind of takes it hard and, uh, he, he's, you know, saying you got heart kid. I like you or whatever and stuff like that. And, then you talk you to also kind of get to explain to him, like, he's like, oh, why yeah, did she die? like, oh, why yeah. did she die? Yeah, he wants to know why. And then you have this. It's not a, this is less of a big option, but it is an option. And so, like, you can choose to tell him how she died, which is a drug overdose. Or you can kind of just like what you tell him a different reason or you kind of just you're not sure is what you say. I, I think it's you, you'd say you're not sure. And yeah, uh, I think so. what did you guys end up going with for this? Uh, I told him that uh, she died from overdose. OD. How did he take it? Uh, he starts getting down on stuff and eventually just blames it on him. Cause he's like, well, if I hadn't, have, if I wasn't selling drugs, then this wouldn't have happened at all. Yeah. That's what I assumed would have happened. I picked the other option. But Max Caulfield, I sell drugs to the community. <laughs> <laughs> Frank did that, so hopefully none of y'all have to go through that. <laughs> yeah, he pretty quickly puts two and two together once you mention Nathan and overdose. He's like, the only way you could have done that is through my drugs. And then he kind of goes on a, like, not a tirade, but a little, like, breakdown of himself where he's like, man, all I've got left in this world is Pompadour. <laughs> I should have known something was up. Pompadour never liked Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> And then there's um uh, uh you know after this I talked to Joyce because I figured Warren was like the once you talk to Warren there's no going back like that's gonna end this uh segment so I talked to Joyce next and I honestly don't really 
<laughs> Joyce is a cool character, but I do not remember anything that she talked to you about at this part. Well, she had been sending you texts pretty um, adamantly during the storm, like, hey, I know you're getting these. Where's Chloe? Where's Chloe? Where's Chloe? And um, actually, before the Chloe choice, you kind of have a heart-to-heart with her about um, David and kind of how he saved you. And ultimately, it leads you to having the option of suggesting whether Joyce should believe in David again or let her decide on her own, essentially. So, Can't um, you appeal on David's game, behalf, right? You can kind of say, I don't know, he's a good guy or something like that, right? Yeah, you can tell her, like, hey, believe in this man or, hey, the decision is yours. Uh, I think I fought for him or on his behalf or whatever. And she's like, I don't I, I Like I said, I don't really remember what this interaction with her was because it was just kind of like kind of generic because like, I don't think you tell her about the Chloe stuff. Yeah, the, the really interesting thing about this conversation is she's like, Hey, do you know where Chloe is? And it gives you two non answers instead of any definitive ones. And I thought that was a really really interesting turn for them to make at this point. Like Max can't even bring it. Like she can't even think about lying to Joyce or think about like telling her the actual truth about Chloe at this point. That would have been too real. That, that part of the scene would have been too real. That would have been like worse than when like Chloe and finds Rachel's body. Probably that would have been rough. Yeah. I think the two options are like, um, I'll see her soon or like don't worry about her or something like that. It was pretty much like the only thing I can think that's comparable is when Chloe's on her deathbed in episode three and you have like two choices where it's like, well, or you have one choice where it's like, uh, I'm not really sure. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but then uh, after you talk to Joyce, then we talked to Warren and, at this point, like, like I, I think I alluded to this last episode, but it's like this dude is supposed to be your friend and you, you haven't caught him up to speed on anything this past week. And you basically reveal to him or either you do or you can, right? You don't have to. About the powers? Yeah, you kind of reveal the powers. You basically break down or outline the entire week and you kind of reveal that you have powers and he just is very like unsurprised and like he doesn't like think it's weird or anything kind of it was kind of strange to me how like calm cool and collected he was about it well he instantly links it to all the other weird stuff happening throughout the week yeah that's true he does look at it from like the eyes of like a, a, the science like a, a lens to that you know but uh yeah i'm not saying it, it wasn't weird how he handled it it's just that was his justification for it essentially like oh of course like two moons yeah 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 but um yeah you he you know gives you his phone is it or he texts you the image or i don't remember but you basically have the image of the picture that uh chloe took of you two when he was drunk at the party and uh before you can focus on the camera you have the option to like hug him or kiss him or (laughs) do nothing and what'd you guys do? This is like the juicy part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I kissed him. 
Yeah, me too, dog. Right on the lips. I was like, I, I mean, like he's been around for a minute, so I'm like, I, I feel like I'm, I had to do it at that point because otherwise, day one, like, day one. Yeah, geez, I feel like you're explaining like 99 percent of girls like half the time. <laughs> I, I felt like I had to at this point. That's that. That's him. That's not me. <laughs> I gave you him guys a church did? hug. You said what? I gave him a church hug. <laughs> The Yeah, I get no ideas. You gave him a kiss too. Indeed. What kind of monsters will do nothing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, I I don't know. Like in in my my mind, anyways. Like he was the if we were gonna have like relationships. Or whatever the relationship was, Max and Warren, not Max and Chloe or whoever else, you know. I did feel kind of weird about it since I had already kissed Chloe too, but she'd be all right. Yeah, I don't think that one's really a romantic kiss, though. Well, I guess technically you don't even really do it, I guess, because it's like she stops you before, but it was like the fact that I attempted to do it. She'll be all right. Yeah. (laughs) All right, and then um, so after that, then you you focus on the uh, the photo from the party, and then you go back to the party, and so you're the day before that Thursday, and you see Chloe for the first time, and, or since she's died, and you basically like, oh my god, slow down, Chloe, and you're you're just basically talking to her, and you basically reveal to her like I was in the future, or you know I saw what happened in. It's not Nathan, it's Mr. Jefferson. Uh, he kills you, and you basically reveal to her all all of that stuff. And um, so she kind of, I think you even tell you even tell her, too, it's like, look, um, I'm going to go back into time again, and um, I need you to tell me everything that I told you now, uh, in case I don't remember. And that part was very confusing to me. Because I didn't understand if Chloe, because as far as I knew, like uh, the only person, whenever she went back in time, whenever Max went into time, she was the only one that was aware of the changes between the the current timeline and then the alternate one. So it was very weird to me that she was relying on somebody else to tell her about. Well, that's that's kind of how the power works, like. She went back in time, and only Chloe's only one who actually knows about her powers at this point. Especially since we rewound since Warren got that explanation that like later episode five. So essentially, what she's saying is, "Hey, Chloe, all this bad stuff's gonna happen. What I need you to do, what you really, really need to do, is go home, tell David." And when we get essentially to the point where I don't remember things, because like the second she steps out like into the bright light from that area the of the vortex party, like to exit that scene, like it's back to previous Max or current Max, quote unquote, non non future Max. So she has to have Chloe remind her of everything that um essentially she doesn't know about. Yeah, I agree. I I think that was the part where like, she kind of snaps back to present time. 
I, it just was really weird to me. I, I didn't really understand what was going on. Like, what you're saying is making sense, but, like, in the moment, I was, like, like, immediately made me think of heroes, and it was just, like, they didn't really explain this that well. It's, like, is she also immune if she's aware, or, like, what's going on? Well, the Let only thing that I had to look at Wikipedia to figure this out. Oh, see, I thought, because it didn't explain it in the game at all. The only thing that kind of confused me was, like, is she able to control to control when she go when she snaps back to present time? Because it seemed like she would just kind of pop up at random times, like when she um, popped up in the airplane on her way to the Everyday Heroes contest, or every time she popped back into the um, dark room. I think it literally takes place like the next second after she like looked at the photo, like. Say she looked at the photo at six o'clock, then she'd be six oh one the next time she actually gets to the present. Or at least that's how I understood it. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> time travel <laughs> weird, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like like honestly, from this point on, the game gets very uh, meta. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I also it only like, gets better. <laughs> well, that's that's one word. <laughs> um, so, like you, you know, you tell Max. I'm sorry. Uh, you tell Chloe about this uh, thing happening, and you basically tell her to meet you at the beach on Friday, right? Is that is that what, is that how that conversation ends? Is like I need you to meet me at the beach on Friday, right? I, I can't I remember. So let me. One second. I know they end up there. I just don't remember how they got there. Yeah. All right. And and so then, like, sorry, I I looked it up. Yeah, you do, right? Yeah, and the tornado's still happening and stuff. And then, uh, so then you using your powers to go back in time, and you end up waking or finding yourself in the classroom. And it's the very beginning of the game, but then it flashes and then everybody's gone and you're like just sitting in the classroom and it ends up becoming like a nightmare like scenario and like birds are flying. I believe it's birds are flying into the school window. It just it's like so like the, the and nobody the, is reacting to it. It's yeah, so nobody's good. reacting nobody. to it. And it's just like are pools of blood basically you're like they're they're exploding in the in the pools of blood and so there's just blood all over the window and then you uh leave the classroom and everybody is just like it's the first scene all over again from the uh, opening or episode but everybody's walking backwards it even has the music playing too and like honestly this part was kind of cool because like even like the text like the interfaces and the prompts are backwards too so like normally you could like walk up to somebody and then like to hit triangle is to look and that was displayed backwards and like all these things and like the, like I said the music is playing backwards and if you rewind it it plays the music normally which is kind of cool like I don't know if you guys caught that yeah. not, not, to, not to try and go back too far but did anybody walk around the classroom a little bit at this point yeah there's a couple photos you can take while you're here yeah, and then there's like a note in there. I don't know if anybody caught that, but it's like there's a note that says like Max, if you're reading this, you're dead, and it's Mr. Jefferson XOXO. Yeah, it was a note that was thrown at Katie. Oh, yeah. Or Kate. Yeah, I saw 
Yeah, it's just like, like a it, weird we, we should emphasize that there's so much weird stuff going on at this point. Like the birds flying into the window is one thing. There's this um, blood stain on in one of the desks that says like um, Rachel Amber Hart somebody or whatever. That was there every single oh yeah timeline. Yeah, but it changes every time you look at it now. Oh, so at first it's like Rachel Amber, then it's like Max, then it's like Chloe, and that's how you get one of those photos. Oh, I shoot, I didn't even realize that. Okay, and yeah. then like looking at some of the photos, like there's one of the lighthouse, and now it has a storm next to it, and the, there's one out in the junkyard, and then it's like the picture of yeah, I did see Chloe that. and Max seeing Rachel Amber's body. And oh my, you guys checked out the text messages, right? No, I didn't even think about doing that. Oh my, oh, they're so good. You get one from Papadou. It's like, where's my, where's my bone at? <laughs> I wonder if he still sends it from the grave. <laughs> and like Jefferson's texting you, um, Nathan's texting you. There's just like all this really weird stuff going on. And is this the part in the classroom where you could talk to Mr. Jefferson too? And you have like all those weird, like clearly. Oh, sexual, dude. Yeah, yeah, no, you can even think of her. You can't choose anything but a sexual thing. <laughs> yeah, no, because what happens is um, like you're walking, there's nobody in the classroom. You go to the door, you hit the, you know, open the door, and then he just pops up behind you. And then you, yeah, like no matter what you say, it's like, like sexy slash seductive towards Mr. Jefferson. Cause I think it's like, you can tell him to screw off or F you or whatever. And no matter what you say, it's like, <laughs> right. But nobody, nobody took so the bad. opportunity uh, to say, thanks for killing Chloe just to see what he's going to say. No, I didn't. Okay. I did that. <laughs> Cause I was like, this is so monster. crazy. I, I got to see what he's going to say about this. Yeah, it was just really weird, and like I said, you, you go out to the classroom, everybody's walking backwards, and and you see the dough again, like, and I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of salty because ultimately they never reveal what the dough is, and I didn't look it up, so I'm we're gonna end this episode without me knowing, unless one of you guys look it up, but you see the dough walk into the bathroom, uh, the girls' bathroom, uh, so uh, you basically you're supposed to go to the bathroom. And so you go into the bathroom and then it like takes you to like the girl, you open the door and you're in the girl's dorm now. And now you're playing this weird sequence where you're in the girl's dorm and whenever you open up a door, (laughs) it's weird. It's, it's a, it's a puzzle sequence and you're playing as a character and you have to basically go to that character's room. So if you're Victoria, like you open the door and you're Max. So you have to go to Max's room. And then um, then once you go through Max's room, you're back in the dorm. But now you're Victoria and you got to go to Victoria's room. Then you go through and now you're Rachel. You got to go to Rachel's room. And it's just so weird. And did and, you um, notice like in the hallway, like the wall is plastered with certain things about that? Yeah, character. yeah. I noticed it with Victoria's where everybody was bad mouthing Victoria on the walls. Like there was graffiti and stuff. And but like yeah, when, it, you're, when you're Max, it's like all of her um, Polaroid photos are along the wall. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. Uh 
we see the text message that Pompidou sends, and that's hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then uh, you end up, you know, completing that puzzle, and now you're like in a sneak stealth like uh, section, and uh, it's like you're you start off in the the gallery, and there's Mister Jefferson, and he has a flashlight, and he's looking around finding you, so you have to sneak past him. And it's just like this long sneaking segment where it's like uh, multiple characters throughout the game. Like you'll see um, multiple Mr. Jeffersons. You'll see Frank. You'll see David. You'll see Nathan. You'll see uh, Principal Wells. And they all have flashlights and they're trying to look for you. And you're sneaking through various sections of the game. So you like you sneak through um, the junkyard. It's also really creepy when you um, – there's a couple people like they're being characterized like – I, I guess their inner persona is being characterized. So, like, one of the pictures is um, found in Warren's locker, I think it is. And you open the locker, and there are all of these, like, pictures of Max, like, Max's face photoshopped onto, like, models and stuff like that. And also, when you're walking over there, he's like, let's go ape, let's go ape, ape, oh, yeah. ape. <laughs> So yeah, they just do a lot of weird dark stuff with like him and Samuel also. Weird. Um yeah, but you you basically have to sneak through it's a pretty lengthy sequence, uh going through multiple like different sections of the game and um you finally get to the the lighthouse and um you open the I think you open the door to the lighthouse and then you pop back into reality and you uh see um you're at the beach right is it and how you go to the diner uh, oh yeah yeah then you go to the <laughs> actually no are we skipping past the whole section where like well i guess this, this doesn't really count really but she ends up back in it's part of the nightmare but she still ends up in the uh dark room again and she sees uh like jefferson taking pictures of chloe and stuff that's a little bit further Oh, never mind. I already went too far. Yet. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you are um, uh, sneaking around. And actually, one of the funny things was that two different sections, two different people brought up, or I'm sorry, uh, Principal Wells, while he was walking around with the flashlight, he was like, I can't believe you stole money from the handicap. <laughs> <laughs> and he brought that up. And then, um, but yeah, you, you open up the, um, the door to the, uh, to the lighthouse and you are uh, at the diner. You're right. You're in the bathroom of the diner and you have to like, this part was weird too, because there's like four digit codes. Cause you're like in a room, you're just in the bathroom and there's a, a key code to get out of it. And I'm like, where, wait, where am I? And uh, there's a whole bunch of like numbers scribbled on the walls and everywhere. And you just, you go to the key code and you just have to enter in the correct one. And I, did not like I, I tried to use the trick we used last time to use the most worn buttons, but that did not work. And um I ended up uh the the trick was you had to walk up to the mirror and see uh which number was because when there's you like at, thousands of numbers. Yeah, there's thousands of the numbers. And then when you look in the mirror, the reflection, there's no numbers. But if you stand at a certain angle, you can see a four-digit number. And that ends up being the code. It's, it's you know, So you enter that. And then you're in the diner. 
Like you, you won't go from being in the bathroom of the diner to out in the main area of the diner. And it's literally like every character in the game just standing there staring at you and just like having internal or really uh, external like comments about your character. There she is. I can't believe she did this or all that. And it's a really, really, really weird sequence. And I'm like walking around trying to figure out what I need to do. And you see your character sitting at the diner eating. And so you have to talk to yourself and she ends up like telling you that you it's, it's you from a different, a former reality. And she's like, I can't believe you haven't figured out what you need to do or whatever. And it's funny because at one point you, I think one part of the other, I don't remember which one calls the other a son of a bitch or something like that. And they're kind of like chastise. Uh, chastise. Don't talk about our mother that way. <laughs> yeah, it was like a side joke, but then it made me think of like current day stuff, and I was like, "Damn, this game was so it's so timely." <laughs> so I see what part Greg was talking about. I think we did skip over some scenes because after she goes through the junkyard, um, she come she pops up in the snow globe that's on the mantle at the Price House. I thought that was right after this scene, though. I could have sworn. That's how I have it. A lot of, yeah, there's a lot of like time. Yeah, I think they're right because I think the diner is the last section. But like, there's just like a lot of just random like. Honestly, I, I wait. No, no, no. It definitely happens after because your Mac or the other Max tells you, "Hey, why are you trusting Chloe?" And that's when it prompts you with all of these scenes about Chloe. Because that was like the main takeaway of the conversation you have with the alternate Max. She's like, you realize Chloe is messing up everything, right? And you don't want to really hear it. But then she kind of sends you on this journey. Um, I thought that after that, that leads you to the whole thing of like walking to the lighthouse and you see all these uh, interactions you've had with Chloe. Yeah. kind of That does happen. But that's a diff- like there's two lighthouses. There's one at the end of the stealth section. And then there's one at the end of like the linear section where you're walking and you see all the little like dioramas. But at some I point think. before that, you do go back to the dark room. Yeah, that's before the diner. Ah, uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens. It's but it's, the scene in the dark room was <laughs> one of the the weirdest. Go ahead and lay it out, because I <laughs> I don't have no That's on, where, so. like, she's sitting in the chair, like, she's got nothing but her t-shirt and panties on, and that's when Chloe comes out, and Chloe's just, like, modeling for Mr. Jefferson. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And basically, she's Chloe like is, yeah, Chloe is, like, hooking up with everybody. You see scenes of her with, like, everybody you've interacted with. Nathan, Victoria, um... Mr. Jefferson, and he like every time she's like, I I don't even I'm not even really good friends with Max. Like I I kind of don't I can't stand her or whatever you know. It's like she's not even there. And then in my game, um, when when you see Warren, he mentions that um, Max didn't even kiss her, but then Chloe says that she did. Yeah, uh, and they make mention <laughs> about you trying to hook up with both of them. <laughs> Getting around, I see you. <laughs> There's just a lot of like, like stuff going on, and I guess my takeaway is this section I couldn't stand. 
I did not like this section at all. What did I you know like about it? I didn't like this section. Why did I not like it? Because this section tries to make you sympathetic to Chloe. It's punishing the player in his eyes. That's the other thing. No, dude. Like, I don't like... You don't like being punished. I don't like being punished. You're right. Actually, no. <laughs> um, I don't know, dude. It just was like... It seemed very... I don't really... It, it was, was smart and it was well done. It it was smart and well done in the sense of like, oh, like you want to play with time? Oh, we're going to play with time. But like, I don't know. It just seemed kind of like, in addition to Mr. Jefferson, so like, like heavy handedly, like describing the plot, it just was like, all right, you're going to go back to this. Uh, you're going to go back to this setting. Okay, you're going to go back to this setting. You're going to go back to this setting. And it was like, nothing new really it was just like revisiting the same old stuff over and i mean like obviously you have to this is a time travel game but it just was kind of like i i mean like the the stuff around it like the the reality being different and like the interactions that part was cool but like that stealth sequence was too long and oh yeah like just like some of the stuff just wasn't like it was like the devil was in the details. So, like, if I didn't check, like, you checked the, the cell phone, the text messages. I didn't check that. Like, they didn't tell me to check that. So, I didn't check it. And I should have known to, but, like, I didn't. And so, I wouldn't have got anything out of being back in time besides I got to go do this entire interaction over again. Like, I didn't necessarily know that, oh, this thing changed and this thing changed and this thing changed. So, it seems kind of weird, too, like we have the benefit of like having played these games back to back to back or these episodes back to back to back to back. But like, I think we were talking off, off uh, the mic that um, this, these episodes came out over the span of like 10 months. So like, I can't imagine somebody remembering specific instances or like dialogue or stuff that happened like, you know, 10 months ago, but they're playing episode five. Now they got to remember stuff that happened in episode one. Like, they don't. I don't necessarily think they do a good enough job of like hammering some of this stuff home. But then you have to play through it like three times, and it's just like I don't know. It's it's weird to me because it's like some things I appreciate. Like I appreciate that they change things about it, but like honestly, I didn't even see most of it. So I don't know. Please tell me you at least saw this text. This text. Came I did not look at any of the text messages. <laughs> that one, this oh, one, that one actually that one pops up. This, yeah, it pops yeah. up at that point, like when you're in the snow. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I did see it. that one. I did see that one. But that's what I'm saying, though. Like, I, the, I feel like that's the premise of the game. Like, the manipulation. Like, I feel like if they spelt it out, it wouldn't be as special. I, I, I agree. Part, I think this part did less to progress the story and more to kind of develop Max's character. And the gravitas of everything. Yeah, yeah. Like, to me, this is just hammering home the part of, like, you don't mess with time. You don't mess with, like, literally, they could have just been, like, a voice over the thing, over the, the entire reality sequence. You don't mess with time. You don't mess with time. Because, like, that's really, they're just hammering it home. And, like... The the they even have that like I'm I'm going a little ahead of it, but like the the greatest hit sequence when you're literally like walking down this path and you're seeing every yeah. thing that happened with you and Chloe, and I'm like, what is this here for? Like, well, 
guess to make you like kind of think it's about the relationship develop, and I like I understand that, but it's just kind of like I I don't know that even that sequence that sequence was long. I, I think even more so. Well, I'm not sure 100 percent what Greg's going to say, but the little walk down memory lane you have with Chloe, it's designed to paint her in a different picture. It's like, have I been perceiving this relationship incorrectly the entire time? Because the alternate history, Max, is like, Chloe is not here to help you. Chloe is your enemy. Chloe has been using you this entire time. Yeah, I mean, that's. I guess that's kind of... I guess the way I was looking at it was like, it's to kind of, to kind of make you think about the decision that's coming up. It's like, oh, well, do I really want to... Because you kind of can tell that it's leading to... I'm going to have to make a choice between her or like Arcadia basically. And kind of makes you say to yourself, well, do I want to do this? Looking at all the past interactions I've had with her or do I want to choose otherwise? I, I don't know. Like I, I agree that it showed Chloe in a, it was made to show Chloe in a better light. And I, I that, I'm okay with that. Like, I don't necessarily like the character, but I understand, like, hey, like, there's history b- between these two characters. But I, I thought it was a worse light. <laughs> you don't? You think so? Yeah, because like after she said, "Hey, she's been using you the entire time," and then you listen to each one of those conversations, it's kind of been implied that she's using you this entire time. But I mean, like, I knew that going in. I was like, this character is just basically manipulating you and using your powers for her own personal gain. Gain, and I like I was saying that throughout the entirety of. Uh, <laughs> my playthrough. I'm like, man, I don't want to do this stuff with this character. Like, I wish I could. Like, this character could have like t- when they shot the bumper in the junkyard and she died. I don't want to rewind time. No, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, and, and, that's kind of like the, the. I didn't really have a dilemma. I guess the issue I had with this, it's kind of hard to care about any decision you have to make with Chloe because like she's not a likable character, like a, a likable character really, at least to me. It's a very very polarizing. Thing in the Life is Strange community, whether Chloe is like the best or the absolute worst. Victoria is the worst, but then Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like, I don't know. Like, I, I personally, I, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So we'll just get back to the actual what we're talking about. Um, so you, you go through all these time bending, reality bending sequences, right? And then you you are meet up with Chloe. I feel like at some point you meet up with Chloe at the beach, and then you she tells you everything that she was supposed to tell you to jog your memory. And then she, you basically start bleeding out both nostrils, and you kind of collapse. And she's like, "All right, well, you know, she put you know helps you, steadies you, and she ties she starts walking up to the the lighthouse, supporting you. And then you go back into your reality days but uh ultimately you end up at the top of the mountain or at the top of the hill right with her yeah and then i think it's kind of revealed at this point that you think that you have done everything you can to save the ultimately your goal in this game is to save arcadia bay but then you find out like, oh, some of these choices you made are what have doomed Arcadia Bay. And you end up figuring out that, oh, it was your initial choice, the the choice that started this whole, the, 
game off, I guess. The thing that you, um, your choice to save Chloe in the restroom was the catalyst that was, it was the jumping off point for everything else bad to happen. So then at this point, you made the final or like the biggest decision of the game and you're tasked with either saving Chloe or saving Arcadia Bay. And uh, what did you guys choose? And I'll, I'll start with you, Trevor. Which and you tell I, me what you did the first time too. Which bay did I sacrifice? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first playthrough I did, I sacrificed Chloe. But this playthrough, I was kind of playing with the idea that there was a sequel, and so I would have, I would like to see how it would play out if Arcadia Bay was sacrificed. Because I think that if you sacrifice Chloe and you go back in time, Max probably will never use her powers again. I don't know if the sequel is going to follow Max again, but if it does and Max goes and basically undoes everything that's been done since she got her powers, she probably won't want to use her powers again. I'm like, I was wondering, like, if you don't save Chloe, then how do you know you have powers? (laughs) Like, I, I don't understand that. Yeah, like, that's true. Technically, it, she doesn't. What do you mean she doesn't? Well, she, um, well, it's skipping ahead a little bit, but um, if you choose the Save Arcadia Bay ending, you go back to the very first sequence where you're in the bathroom. Um, you choose not to intervene when Chloe and Nathan get into it and Ultimately, Nathan shoots Chloe and she dies. Going by the same um, rewind logic that's been applied throughout the rest of the game, the second she exits the bathroom, she wouldn't remember anything. Well, I take that back. She would know once they got back to present day. So, like, Friday at whatever time the storm, theoretically, was going to hit the lighthouse in the reality we've been following thus far then she would know. That's too much, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, all you, I, the easiest way to think about it is Max can go back in time. She goes through the light. And once she hits back to present day, she gets her memories back. Sure. So in that, I don't know. It's weird because like that makes sense if I was watching it play out. But since I'm playing it out and I'm a new player, like when I get to a sequence, like like the sand sequence, I should have been able to like from the jump been able to just throw sand on the thing. Because in, in theory, I've already seen that play out before, even though I didn't literally as a player see that the two whales exploded. That happened. No, not the first time, because that was our first time going to the diner. That was present day Max. Okay. All right, all right. Um, what did you, I mean, I guess, what did you choose then, Dante? I saved Arcadia Bay both times. Okay. And uh, what about you, Greg? Uh, I chose Arcadia Bay. All right, cool. Well, that's uh, <laughs> unanimous. <laughs> well, I know, Trevor saved Chloe. Yeah, I saved Chloe. So did you, you played this before you played the prequel, though, right? Yeah. Did you, I mean, the second time, your second playthrough? Yeah. 
did you know that pre- the prequel was actually a prequel or did you know, did you think it was? The oh prequel? yeah. I knew it was a prequel. Um, okay. Like before I started. it. Okay. Cause I didn't, I didn't know if, uh, cause they are coming out with a part two as well, aren't they? Right. Okay. Um, yeah, but I think honestly for me, it was it, the, 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 the cool part or the part that I appreciated about this was that, you had this week-long experience with a, a friend, a near and dear friend, or supposedly near and dear friend, somebody that you you didn't have, uh, you've had this long relationship with, and you were able to spend five days with this character, and had the best time of her life. Or I don't I don't really know how to describe it. It, it maybe wasn't a good time, but it was just a good time for you guys catching up and kind of seeing where you guys are in your life. And then it was just kind of like a reset button and just like, okay, well, I'm going to always remember this moment or these memories or whatever, but I'm going to have to let you die now. And I don't know. It it was, it was very cool how they played it out. Cause like at that point, Chloe had accepted her fate. Like she was like the, the catalyst. So she was like, I know I'm the, 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 you know, I'm the, Thing that made all this stuff go bad so you can't change time so I'm going to have to sacrifice myself for this town and I, I thought that was a, a cool sequence like a they understood the importance of that situation like they weren't like your typical teenagers and like being selfish and be like no we can figure out another way like they kind of accepted uh, their fates and I thought that was cool um, does anybody know if once you make that decision, if there's any way you can back out of it or does it lock you into it once you make it? I'm pretty sure it's locked. Cause yeah, I think that's like the only one scene after that. Yeah. I think it's the only decision you make. That's like, you only have one time. Does anybody feel like the game should have more situations like that? Or, or I don't know. I felt like, I wish there was times where you were kind of forced to stick to a decision, but I guess that's kind of the thing of the game. The fact that you have a rewind power and you can always go back and, and change a decision, but kind of wish that would have that. I guess it also makes that final decision more powerful. The fact that you can't do that and you've been able to do that all game. No, I don't know. Cause they definitely could have played stuff out. Like the Kate situation, the Kate situation, you could rewind at all, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and they, they could have had more moments like that, where it was like, "Look, like I'm uh, this situation. I don't, I don't remember what the situation with the Kate, like why it was that way, because they never really explained." Like she used her like extra superpower to like freeze time and move up to the rooftop, so she was completely juiced out by sure, the time she got sure. to Kate. But she was able to jump to multiple realities and this one so you would think I, I i don't know like maybe it's just a different amount of power but but it'd have been cool to like have a situation like that where it's like hey the tornado is about to hit arcadia bay you can freeze time and now you have to make this decision and there's no going back like maybe like a more like canon with the story way of making it so you can't rewind because i kind of i didn't even think about that it isn't the only decision besides the cape situation where you can't go back but maybe that's supposed to be a part of the story like you're up to this point like in episode five it's saying how bad messing with time is and so once you make that decision you're kind of making it seem like 
Max has realized she shouldn't be playing with Tom, so this is the final decision right here. That does yeah, that's kind of why I didn't have an issue with the other Max beating you over the head with the old modifying time is bad, because if you look at the breakdown, I think it's 52-48 in favor of Arcadia Bay, so a lot of people didn't actually like take that message to heart. <laughs> I don't know. I think some people were probably just caught up in the, the love story. I, I do know, like, some of the gaming podcasts I listen to, some particular people had a real strong affinity towards Chloe for some reason. And so they, uh, I could imagine they opted to save her because there was some teenage rebellion thing that they saw in her that they fondly looked back on or whatever. But, uh, yeah, so I guess what what happens when you choose Chloe, when you don't sacrifice Chloe, you sacrifice Arcadia Bay. I'm interested in that because really what happens is, like like Dante said, uh, you see that sequence play out, the, the bathroom sequence. You don't save her. You kind of just sink down and start kind of silently weeping to yourself. And then it flash forwards to, uh, I mean, Nathan's in trouble and Mr. Jefferson still gets busted. And then... Um, you're at the funeral and that uh, blue butterfly that you saw in the bathroom that you initially took that photo of, that blue blue butterfly kind of lands on uh, Chloe's casket and you kind of look down at it and you kind of like fondly like, oh, I guess Chloe is looking looking out for me or whatever. Well, if if you sacrifice Arcadia Bay, um, you and Chloe basically hop in the Twin Peaks truck and you drive through um, Arcadia Bay and you see all of it is in ruin. And then you drive and you hit the road and leave. Okay. So I had to look it up because it was driving me crazy. So like you had a conversation with Sam and he's always talking about everybody has a spirit animal. And, um, Oh, the butterfly is Chloe's. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can just yeah. tell that stylistically because it's blue and black. Yeah, you know, yeah, pretty much her hair. Second, Chloe is introduced in the game, and um, is. Matt or Sam says his spirit animal is the squirrel. Well, at, um, Max doesn't know what her spirit animal is, but um, I've always thought it was the deer because those were that was a reoccurring theme throughout, and even like during episode two she's wearing a a deer on her shirt and i just looked it up and apparently people believe it's a personification of rachel amber which makes sense because it's led max at some key points but then uh it can i chime in just real quick sure yeah i I think it's a personification well not a personification but it's the animal of max and rachel because there's a lot of similarities between the two. Like yep, yep. when you go back in time in episode three, the beginning, you're essentially Rachel Amber. And there's all of these scenes with the doe that kind of link Max and Rachel Amber. And I'm kind of curious if they, um, if they're going to hit on that in the prequel or the sequel. There's also um, like at the end of the episode, after you make your final decision in, I believe it's the junkyard the doe is reunited with um, uh, another deer. I don't, I can't, I can't remember 
if the doe that's been following you around or been guiding you throughout the the um, game, if that's the baby, if it's the mother or the father, but these three deer get reunited at the end of the episode. Interesting. Does that happen when you save Chloe or? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. But yeah, I did see that theory that the doe is, is Rachel's spirit animal trying to guide her to the truth about what happened, like how she died. There's also a little bit of like hints towards that. Like when you find the body, the first time Rachel's body, you see the deer looking very solemnly at Max and Chloe. And then I think at the end of the game, that's actually where the deer ends up like staying for like the last shot that it's in. Yeah. I think the camera's panning out and you can kind of see it, right? Something like that. So that's, uh, I guess that wraps up our talk. Um, is there anything anybody else wants to hit on? Uh, personally, I, I'd be interested to know what would your guys' favorite either episode or section, and then what was your least favorite episode or section? I have to think about that for a second. If y'all want to go ahead before me. All right. I, I, I think I said this to you guys personally, but I, I think my favorite section, I believe it was in episode four. Like I, I really, I really did like the, the uh, cliffhanger at the end, but I think my favorite sequence that you played was when you're uh, with Chloe and you're confronting uh, Frank in the RV at the beach. Cause that was a very, to me, that was a super tense, like my favorite sequences in this game was the, the dialogue and the conversations you had with people. And so like, it was a very tense, uh, almost, it was like a puzzle slash uh, dialogue because you had to talk to them and you interacted and you had a conversation with them and then something happened and then you had to rewind to the beginning and then you had to basically try to influence you had to influence Chloe by telling her, avoid this, avoid this, but also trying to get the same information or information from Frank. And like that one was kind of a delicate uh, situation because like the way it ended is like you could uh, kill his dog or you could kill Frank or like there was a lot, I think it seemed like there was a, a couple of different ways the this, this story could end. And I wanted to make sure things didn't go uh, too too poorly, so I, I really like that sequence. And then I, I have no no surprise. I think my least favorite sequence was just the time, uh, the reality stuff uh, in this episode, episode five. Like specifically, like the I would say my least favorite part was probably the um, the stealth stuff, or not. It's not even stealth, but the sneaking around stuff. Like it just seemed like a super long like sequence of playing like Batman, one of the Arkham games where you, you just do a scarecrow puzzle. And it just seemed like a super long part of that where it's just like, man, I don't want to do this. Like, let me get back to the main game. Like, this is not fun. Uh, I think I like that less than the, uh, (laughs) the alternate reality with uh, Chloe in a wheelchair, surprisingly. So uh, how about you, uh, Dante? Mine are almost the inverse of yours. So my favorite scenes are definitely the beginning of episode three, where you're in the 
alternate reality and you kind of get to see how everything's changed and you kind of see how like the dynamic between Max and Chloe and her parents has all shifted because of um, her car accident as well as, well, it might not be my favorite scene, but it might as well be paired with this one where you're in the classroom for the last time and reality is getting all shifted in really weird ways. And you get all these just bizarre text messages and like everything's essentially falling upon itself. And you're like, when the world's going on and um, for my least favorite, my least favorite, I, I don't think it's still this, but I remember specifically the first time through the game, I really dislike the, sequence in episode four where you're dealing with Frank just because it felt really, really gamey at that point to me. So um, it was interesting, but I just remember having to rewind a lot and I'm like, I didn't really get too much out of that conversation to be honest. So those are kind of like my, well, I guess episode one, there's also a couple slow moments in there. So that's kind of my highs and lows of life is strange. Trevor. My favorite scene was probably when you're at the barn, you're trying to figure out how to get into the dark room because that part felt like, I don't want to say Tomb Raider, but like with you being able to climb up on top of stuff, uh, rewinding time to drop like the, the machinery down, um, all of that made it seem more like an adventure game to me. And I guess adding those elements made the game fun. Like, I wish there were more interactions that you could do like that where you're actually unlocking stuff. I know it's a different type of game. It's more of a, a narrative type um, point and click game. But that was probably why it was one of my favorite scenes. Um, my least favorite scene, probably when you're... um when you're in the alternate timeline with Chloe too, um, like I like the reveal, but I think you're in that, that portion of the game way too long because you kind of get it. Like, you know, this one change affected all of this, you know, all of these, it had all of these different consequences and I wish they would have just presented that. And then she would have realized she needed to go back and fix it. Rather than having to explore the entire area, it kind of added to the game, like the story. But I don't know, it was still brought up in weird ways. Because even when you're in like the shadow realm or whatever you want to call it, and you're going back to like your closest moments with Chloe, and it actually shows her in the wheelchair from that alternate timeline. And it's kind of like, did this really happen or did it not happen? And so that was probably one of my least favorite moments. And lastly, you, Greg. Um, for my favorite moments, I guess. Um, I really liked, and I think it was episode two, the uh, the Kate decision where you kind of got to talk to her on the uh, on the roof. I and I mostly like that because I like the idea of being locked into you know a decision and not being able to like kind of change it. And trying to think what was another area and i guess the the whole uh alternate reality weird part where like you go back to the school and then 
Um, you know, you have all the birds flying into the window, stuff going in backwards. I, I thought that part was pretty cool too. Um, for least favorite part, I would probably say, I think it's like the beginning of episode two when, is that when they break into the school and do all that? I think that was episode three. Is it three? Yeah, um, it's like right after you get back, I think. Okay. Well, that whole section where like kind of, um, Chloe and Max are kind of when they get in the pool and they're kind of having this like kind of water talk. fight. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, this is kind of, and, and I understand why they do it because it's to kind of make you feel sorry for like the upcoming decision of like her. You know, you make that one decision and now you see her paralyzed and all that. But I, it felt kind of out of place, or maybe like the tone felt weird about it. And then um, I'm trying to think. I guess, you know, now I think about it, I think that's probably, like, the only real issue I have, I guess. Okay. Um, I guess then we are all cool with how it concluded. I guess, I mean, really, it was it was our choosing. So was there anything that you guys wish had been resolved? Like, anything uh, that you were left hanging on? Wondering? I guess the, the only other thing, I guess this falls into, like, or does it feel like it falls into the old adventure uh, games thing of like well nothing really matters yeah exactly like at the end it's like it's all gonna end this way regardless of what you've done in the previous episodes anyway yeah and I don't know like I, the thing I like about this game when it comes to that type of genre of games is that you can see both things play out and like but like also a knock on the genre is like you said regardless of what you choose um the game is still gonna you don't really have as much control as you think you have you know but it was cool like while we were doing this discussion throughout like we made different decisions and different things happened in our games granted they weren't like huge like oh like if you've made this decision this character is dead and this character replay you know nothing like that but it was cool like i had no idea about the victoria being in the the rape dungeon with you, you know, or I, I think we had another sequence too, where it was like the gun sequence with Frank, where it was like, we didn't even have the option to take a gun because we ne- he never had it in the first place, you know? Yeah. Um, I've never really had too much of an issue with adventure games kind of like ending up linear. And I think this game does it better than a lot of games where, there's actually like a plot reason why it ends up that way, quote unquote. And um, just them kind of emphasizing it's about this journey between these two young girls rather than necessarily the outcome. Yeah. And like I said, I, I do like that. It kind of pulls back the curtain a little bit on like the decisions. It's not like you can, oh, I didn't really like that decision or like the, the, the thing would have been too you pick the decision because you felt it would be delivered a specific way in your head. And then when the line is delivered, it's like, no, that's not how I read that at all. Like that's more tame or way harsher than I thought it was. And you kind of have to like live with that decision or in this game, you could like go back and be like, Oh, well they didn't say it with their chest. So I'm going to choose this other thing or, you know, something like that. So I I did appreciate that. Um, I guess, uh, do, do we have anything else that we need to, any other Life is Strange things to talk about? 
Do you want to talk about the prequel? Sure. Um, does anybody have anything else that they want to add on this one? Was everybody satisfied with the, I guess, the resolution that they got? I. It's kind of, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit. It's crazy to me that they're doing a part two because I don't really have any questions, you know? Like, in my game, Arcadia Bay is still around and Chloe is not. So there is no, like, the drama isn't there anymore, you know? So I guess the, the point of any... the prequel, I guess, is to kind of... And I guess it's if you like Chloe, right? Because isn't the prequel about that? No, but what I'm what I'm saying is they are coming out with a part two that is going oh, to be so, after. Really? So they have a prequel. Yeah, they have a prequel that is set up before this game, but they also are working on a part two of this game. Oh, uh, I okay. yeah. So like that is like in my game, the story is over. But I'm guessing in part two, what it's going to be is you and Chloe on the road. I, I don't really know, like, because there's not anything else that I need to. I don't need to revisit Arcadia Bay, you know. Yeah, that's true. I, I, it's it's very interesting to see what they're going to do because they they've only announced it. They haven't said if it's going to be existing characters, if it's going to be in Arcadia Bay. Yeah, that's true. So that's true. It's one of those things where. I'm cautious. It could just be like, like, we just did a game like that with Beyond Good and Evil 2, where it's like, hey, like that most recent trailer they showed didn't really show any pre-existing characters. So it could be just, you know, in the same world and not necessarily any of the same characters. But uh, that's enough about Life is Strange 2. Uh, Tell us about the prequel, Trevor, because I guess you're the only one that has played it thus far. Yeah, as of this recording, episode one is out. Um... This prequel focuses on Chloe, and she's younger. She's still a student at Blackwell, and this wait, is wait, where... Wait. I thought you had to be a high school senior to go to Blackwell. I thought it was, like, only your last year, right? Or am I mistaken? Chloe mm-hmm. had a file in the Blackwell thing, like when you yeah. break into Wells' office and stuff. Yeah, yeah, she did. But what I'm saying is, I thought that it was like this was like a preparatory, like a oh, high school seniors only went to this school. I, I didn't know it was like a four year high school. I thought it was a one year high school. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I guess it's not a big deal. But go ahead. My bad. Are you um, playing as Chloe? Yes, you're playing as Chloe. And it was weird to me when I first heard the sequel or the prequels following Chloe because I knew that Chloe wouldn't have any powers. So I'm just thinking like what's gonna be the what's gonna be the thing that draws you into this game? Like Max had the powers, but what is Chloe gonna have? Um I'm not gonna spoil anything for you, but you know, there are there are certain parallels like Max has her, um, her photos. Um, like you go around taking pictures. Um, Chloe has a thing with graffiti, which is weird because you don't really see her doing any graffiti like in the, um, in life is strange, but that's kind of her collectible. But, um, it's weird because She's a little bit more timid in this game. She still like has her punk rock 
kind of aspirations, I guess. Or so be- it's kind of early on before she's really transitioned like into her. Yeah, she, I mean, she, she she is kind of angsty already, but she's she's still tame at this point. I'm assuming this part is before um, before David comes into the picture, too. So that may be where, you know, she started rebelling more was once he came into the picture. Um, but in the prequel, that's when you first meet Rachel Amber. And that's when certain things from the main game start to unfold. Do you, uh, is it compelling enough? I think you you said it was three episodes, right? It starts off slow, but the ending, well, not the ending, but towards the end of the episode, they really pull you in by tying things together to the the first game. Because I think you do have to play the first game in order to kind of understand where she's coming from on this one. Like they explain, <laughs> they explain it in the prequel. But if you've played the first game, then you have a little bit more emotions towards it. So you think that this is like, even though it's a prequel, you have to like. You would recommend people. There's play the, contextual stuff. Yeah, yeah, you would recommend people play the first game and then the prequel, not the. Story way they yeah, were definitely. released, the, the release date they were released. Yeah, because I've read some things um, on the internet, like about the first episode, and a lot of people are talking about one particular scene. And once I got to that scene, like I immediately knew what they were talking about, and I think that scene is more impactful if you have um, played the first game. Okay, that sounds cool. Um, and I guess. You said when? When is the next episode coming out? I think this month, October. Okay, cool. So I'm interested because it's like, well, if it's like more of this, so you can kind of see. Like, it, it's weird because as much as I don't like Chloe, I do like the environment. I'm, I'm like, I'm really a fan of the Pacific, Pacific Northwest, like mystery uh, style uh, games and just stories. So I would definitely like be interested in knowing if it continues to get better. Cause I don't want to play a game that like doesn't necessarily have like a, a payoff or it's like it leads into the next game. Uh, and the next game being this game, I, I kind of want like, is there any like standalone stuff that happens? Like, like any intrigue or mystery going on that like could conceivably be resolved in like the three episodes or does it all just, I, seem I like think it's, it's- just- it seems like it's building up to what happened to Rachel Amber. Okay. Okay. That's, that's interesting. That's what it feels yeah. like. Yeah. And I actually did remember the parallel with Max's power to kind of what, how Chloe's um, interactions change in the game. Um, Chloe engages in what's um, called back talk. I don't know if any of y'all have seen it, but it's I've basically done it back where, in my day. <laughs> but um, doing it. you basically have to select the best um dialogue options in order to make certain things happen. So okay, so that's her mechanic essentially. Yeah, in, in order to influence certain people, you have to choose the right. Like you'll have a line of dialogue. You have like four or five different options to 
um, options, but um, steps to choose um, dialogue options in. And you can, they're kind of like, like many arguments. You can either win the argument or let the other person win. And that kind of changes, you know, the story, like what happens or what she says. So that kind of sounds like everything becomes a Kate Marsh situation. Yeah. I mean, I don't like, I don't want to like give any examples because that some of them are kind of, I don't know how critical they're going to be to the story in the long run, but that's kind of how you make the big decisions in this game is if you, you engage in like this back talk, like the first one is, um, is like one of the scenes where the, the game, like I said, it starts off kind of slow is you're basically trying to get into this nightclub and you have to engage and back talk with the bouncer. So you have to walk around, explore, interact with objects, and that gives you more dialogue options to choose from when you do engage and back talk with him. Interesting, interesting. So uh, I guess you'd recommend it then, even just off the the slow first episode. You guys, yeah, stick with I it? definitely, I definitely recommend it just because you know they really never explain. They explain what happens to Rachel Amber, but they leave a lot of things really ambiguous. Like why was she dealing with certain people? And that's what I want to find out. And also what was Chloe's attachment to her? Because they kind of delve into that a little bit too. Like you can tell there are some kind of nods at homosexuality in the first game. And those, those same nods are, are in this prequel as well. So I don't know if they're going to leave it up in the open or leave it out in the open or if they're going to, you know, leave it up to the player's discretion on how she, um, like her feelings towards Rachel Amber or not. Okay. That sounds good. Interesting. Definitely would like to hear more about it and see if I, something I need to pick up when episode two comes out. Cause that, that sounds real cool. Um, is, does anybody got anything else? Life is strange related. I just want to apologize because I didn't know this game was going to take us three episodes to record to talk about. <laughs> nah, that's all good, dude. It was a cool, cool game. Like, I, I enjoyed this game. I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't really get to play too many adventure games. I don't play that many adventure games, but this was like a a cool twist on the ones I've played in the past. So I, I enjoyed this game. Um, well, I already checked with Greg. We still have no fan submitted questions, so. We can go ahead and just skip that. Um, and I guess talk about our next game. Uh, I guess this month, the month of October, is uh, Greg's Choice. And we are going to try to cover two games this month. Uh, we're going to do um, our first part. Uh, first episode this month will be the game Vanquish. And then the second part, the second episode that we released this month, month is going to be Metal Gear uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, or right? Yeah. Okay. So we have two action action games. These are going to be, as Greg said, video game-ass video games. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to we're going to have a lot of fun with these two games, and uh, 
I think we're going to play, I mean, I already started it, but we're, we're, we're going Vanquish first. And uh, that one you should be hearing two weeks. Or, or that, that part will come out two weeks from now. We're going to try to cover both of these games in, in their entirety in a single episode. Uh, these are both relatively short games, about eight hours. So hopefully uh, we can kind of cover both of these games uh, to the best of our ability in a single episode. So be on the lookout for that. Um and um I guess let's plug ourselves and then we can sign off. So um as always, if you have any questions, you can uh send them to mixcheckpoints at gmail.com. Uh any questions, uh you can ask us anything about the games we've already played, games that you're would like to hear us talk about, uh any game that we are, you know, currently playing. So if you have any questions about Vanquish or even Metal Gear feel free to ask us. Um, same thing. You can reach us on our Facebook page. It's uh, facebook.com slash mixed checkpoints. Uh, we post our um, schedule up there as well. And um, uh, any type of interactions that we have, we post up on there. And then uh, you can hit us on our individual pages. Um, my page is facebook.com slash potato salad. It's a P zero T A T zero underscore 5-A-L-A-D. And then I have the same uh, Twitter minus the uh, the underscore, no underscore. Um, what about you, Dante? Where can people reach you? People can find me on twitch.tv slash awakencloud. And yeah, that's probably my primary platform. Just play through all of Cuphead if you want to check that out. Um, and actually, I lied. <laughs> no underscore on the Facebook, underscore on the Twitter. My fault. Uh, where can people reach you, Greg? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Boombox Hero. Uh, Facebook should be the same. I think it's Facebook, Facebook.com slash Boombox Hero. And Twitch is twitch.tv slash XDRD Magnegro X. Uh, I was supposed to play through Cuphead and then. I think I ended up playing Street Fighter instead, but I will probably be streaming my Vanquish playthrough. Um, so I got the PC version of that, so I'll probably uh, stream that. But yeah, you can follow me there. And Trevor, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Trev.0. That's a zero at the end. And um, I don't use Twitch. Um, I use Mixer. That's the new app on Xbox One. They kind of force on everybody. Yeah, how is that? I, I never used it. Um, you get experience points and you level up. It's it's weird. <laughs> achievements? Uh, <laughs> no, there's no achievements. Have you prestiged? <laughs> <laughs> um, one day maybe, but um, but yeah, I stream on Mixer, uh, Lyric Unsung, and I'll probably change my handle on Twitch to Lyric Unsung as well. I heard PewDiePie prestiged. Didn't work out well for him. <laughs> um, and actually, I guess one last thing. Uh, I'm interested, just personally, what is everybody playing Vanquish on? I'm playing it on Xbox 360. What are you guys playing it on? When I originally played it, I, I only have the PS3 version, but when I originally played it, that's what I had. But uh, apparently, I think that's the the uh, worst version of the game. But, uh, but yeah, I, I got it on PC now, so I'll, I'll play it on that. I'm on 360. 
360 unless it goes on sale like in the next week. Okay, okay, cool. I just was wondering if, because I... Greg was saying how ridiculous the game looks uh, since they ported it, or is that the? It's just the port, right? They didn't they didn't add anything. Yeah, yeah it's just PC port. Okay, yeah, he said it looks ridiculous, and like I'm playing this. I started the game today, and I'm like, holy crap, man! This game, <laughs> it still looks cool, and this is like, I mean, I only remember six. it being kind of framey <laughs> in some of the really busy spots, and like sometimes yeah. like when you go into slow mo. Um, there's like a lot of particle effects and stuff. It gets kind of, kind of chuggish there. But other than that, it felt like it ran pretty good. I think it ran like at thirty, pretty much for the most part. Okay. Well, yeah. This this game, it looks. I I played it five years. Who who's new to this? You're the only one that hasn't played it, Trevor. Yeah, I've never played it before. Okay. Yeah. Th- this game, it uh, it it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a, a change of pace from what we've been covering. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, we're going to sign out. So, uh, follow us on those sites. We said, you know, drop us a line if you have any questions. And, uh, I guess, uh, this is Marcus and Dante, Greg and Trevor. And we're checking out. So, uh, peace. Peace.